0: Com, I work the number for him.com and now let's go ahead and kick off what we all came here for hearing more about connecting what we learn on Sunday with what we do in our nine to five this is the I work for him podcast
1: hey welcome to I work for him this afternoon as we broadcast from Wichita kansas martha we're in the woods in kansas we are nobody can
2: find us <laughs> yeah I know. yeah
1: if if you if our bodies are never found we're down a dirt road a mile and a half <laughs> in an amazing place just just in case you're looking for us that's where we're at all right rising above a toxic workplace you know maybe before i get into this we should tell people check us out
2: online Yes, we are at iworkforhim.com. That's iwork4him.com. And, you know, Jim, there's a lot of things that people can do there, but we are hoping that people will find resources there, either past podcasts that help them with a certain topic or maybe a book that they've heard us talk about or um, even learn about joining the nation where they can commit to praying for their coworkers and employees and making an impact in their life in so many different ways. So check it out at iworkforhim.com.
1: Or you can leave us some comments on our listener line, 866-713-9675. 866-713-9675. 866-713. Work. Okay. Now the intro rising above a toxic workplace, the five languages of appreciation in the workplace, the vibrant workplace sink or swim. When it comes to the workplace, there are thousands of books out there on leadership and management, but few authors have hit the trifecta in my world. (laughs) Three books. That I love And all three of them Significant and impactful Today we're visiting With Dr. Paul White And his wife Kathy In Wichita, Kansas Dr. White is a noted author Speaker, psychologist And yes An all around nice guy Today we'll get into The inside scoop Of what he's really like And when he's not writing books What he's really like We all know that Behind every great man of God Is an incredible woman of God So getting to know Kathy His wife will also be fun You're in for a fun hour today As we do the whole Dorothy thing And fly across Kansas City (laughs) Kansas with a pit stop in Wichita. Welcome Dr. Paul White and Kathy to the I Work For Him radio show. Thank you. Thanks, Jim. The, the whole Dorothy thing, that was something I came up you with. You just, just had to do that, did you?
2: Because
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, we're
3: not I in Kansas anymore, but we that. are in
1: Kansas. No, we are. Okay. So I, we always love to start off the show just asking people where their faith really came from. So ladies first, Kathy, how did you come to be a follower of Jesus?
3: Well, I was raised in a Christian home. And went to church ever since I can remember. And when I was um, 11, I went to vacation Bible school. We had one every summer. And I realized that I had not personally accepted Christ into my life and accepted His salvation. So I made the decision at that point, And then I got uh, baptized about two years later. Now, did you grow up so, in the Kansas area? I grew up outside of Chicago.
1: Outside of Chicago. So mm-hmm. this is very different than
4: outside yeah. of Chicago. Yeah. Wow. So Paul, how did you, Dr. Paul White, how did you come to be a follower of Jesus? So for me, it was similar in that I grew up in the context of a Christian home and family and went to church. And actually, as a young boy, I was four when I accepted Christ um, on a Sunday night service. And then uh, later, um, when I was a teenager, really, I think, gave my life fully to Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, At 15, got baptized and then uh, was... Uh discipled and then wound up uh, continuing to follow and met Kathy at Wheaton College where we went.
2: Oh, and that's exactly what I was going to ask next. So mm-hmm. how did you guys meet at
3: college? We met at freshman orientation week on the volleyball court outside the freshman dorm. And um, so we kind of met each other then and then um, watched each other for a year or so before we started dating and then dated through college and got married when we graduated
2: fabulous very nice yes.
1: always love to hear a good love story so paul from your perspective when you met kathy even though you guys did the standoff thing for you know a whole year did you know that kathy was the one
4: i don't think so initially uh she was definitely the one i was interested in and uh so sort of watch but she uh, has a identical twin sister and they were sort of like flowers with lots of bees buzzing around. And I wasn't into competing that much. So I thought I'd just wait a little bit. And then we got to know each other through uh, being involved in Bible studies together and, and uh, probably Christmas of sophomore year and then following became pretty clear that she was the one. Twin sisters. So, and they went to the same, you went to the same college. Yeah. So you guys
1: couldn't stand being away from each other and you wanted to drive guys crazy across the country. By by being at the same college, did you dress alike too? Even in no, college, no,
3: no, we didn't, and we didn't live together. We had different roommates, but we were at the same school. Yeah.
1: Just to mess with people, you never nobody. But that's ever how
3: know. you. That's what you perceive when you see
2: twins. No, they, it's she all has about a strong with family
4: history of uh, <laughs> yeah. Going to to Wheaton, her grandmother taught there in the 30s <laughs> oh, and 40s, cool. and lots wow. of all yeah. of
3: my aunts and uncles went there. So <laughs> okay, it's a family
2: tradition. Uh, yes. how that neat. is very cool. So how long have you guys been married then since your days in Wheaton College? It's uh, 38 and a half years. Mm, that's fabulous. Yeah. And yeah. you've got
3: all married kids and some grandkids. We have four grown kids. They're all married. And five grandkids. Two little girls and then three little boys. Oh, wow!
1: So, we, we just just a side like this has nothing to do with the conversation David. but <laughs> which were the tougher years, raising teenagers or teenagers or adult kids dating? Which was the tougher years, in your perspective?
4: Wow. I don't know. I think the toughest years were the early ones. We had twins first, and oh. we were in Phoenix away from family, and we had sleep deprivation for two years. And, oh, most
3: definitely. And, and Paul was getting his PhD. So <laughs> east. Nice. The, the first 10 years of our marriage were the most difficult, really. And then I think we raised the kids pretty well, and we didn't have turbulent teenagers or mm. anything like that, so...
0: We
1: didn't allow it.
3: You didn't allow it. <laughs> it's
1: good to right. think you had that kind of power. Yeah, on, right. <laughs> right? It's cute how you think that. I like, yeah. It's just really God's cute. grace for sure. Love that. Love that. Okay. All right. So what do you think? Just individual perspective. Well, Paul, you go first because Kathy will be there to correct you. What do you think has been <laughs> the key to the long lasting marriage? 38 and a half years, these great kids, great grandkids. What, what, what do you think the key has been to your marriage?
4: Well, at a personal level, I would say Kathy's patience and grace so guys if you're listening marry the right person i mean that's the deal so
1: patience and grace yeah from her <laughs> kathy what about from your perspective
3: um i think just trusting the lord for the situation that we're in and um trusting that he's in control and he will take care of the issues or whatever they were at the at the time you know, so. you,
1: you guys i'm sorry i interrupted you oh that's all uh, so, you know, a lot of people don't get access to people like you, Paul, that have been connected to Dr. Gary Chapman for so many years. You've got all this influence, yet people want to know who's the man behind the mirror, you know, kind of the, who's the guy behind the curtain, pull back the curtain. Since we're talking about Dorothy and we are in Kansas, so you pull mm-hmm. back the curtain. <laughs> when you look at those years of marriage, 38 and a half years of marriage, I mean, that's incredible by anybody's standards in today's world. And you look at, you've been a ministry, you've been an author. How many books have you written? Four. So, these, these are the four books. Okay, so and that's just so fun. What's funny is that, I, and before I ever met you, I'd already read two of your books, and then I met you and I got to read the last two. It, they're phenomenal books. Yet, writing a book, as I understand it, is really taxing on a relationship because you have to be dedicated to it. Kathy, how hard was it? How hard were those married years when he's
4: sitting here writing?
3: Oh, um, we had times when, you know, it was tough when I kind of had to say, hey, I need some time. Um.
4: Because her language of love is quality, quality time.
3: time. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we've had discussions like that, and um, Paul likes to work, and he works hard. He's a hard worker, and mm-hmm. so um, I've had to, you know, draw him back to the family and and to relationship with me at times. I think. So mm-hmm. can I ask a question regarding that? Since since we
2: are going to talk about your books, and with the five love languages. Um, being something that you know so well how did you tell him you needed more time like do you guys have a um a code do you just say hey I need more of your time or is there what kind what does that look like for you guys
3: oh gosh um yeah I think I would just say you know Mm. how about me you Mm -hmm. know I matter and um can we do something this weekend or you know do you have time to sit down and talk or whatever okay Okay. What's your number two language? Probably help. Mm. Access service. Access service. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. So, Paul, what about for you? I mean, it's easy to get lost in work. I mean, God designed us men to just, we love to work, provide and protect. That's what we love to do. How hard was it to hear those words from your wife? Was it easy to receive? Hey, you're not touching my love language? Or or was that hard to go, I'm in the middle of a book?
4: It wasn't so much about the book. That I might have been writing, I think, is more about even within the languages, you know, there's different kinds of time. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like stone deaf in figuring out which kind of time. And so I think the challenge was more helping Kathy and getting her to be able to articulate what kind of time, whether because, you know, when you talk to people, sometimes they just want you to listen, they just, you know, want to tell you about the day. Sometimes it's about, Um, venting sometimes it's about problem solving and I would need some front end cues about that so that I would use the right kind of time and not get frustrated sure we're talking about really ah, there's just so many things
1: but Paul White has written so many books on the workplace that are so powerful, that are moving, that are transformational. I wanted you to hear a review on them. We've, we've had shows about each one of his books, except for one, in the past couple of years. But as we're on location, we get to hear from his wife as well. And, and right before the break, they were talking about how they've had to come together when Paul has been really busy working. You do a lot of traveling too, Paul, don't you? Yes. So that was what I thought was interesting. So... Let me just ask that question. So you've been traveling all over, the, really all over the world, right? Yes, true. So you've seen, and is that just talking about the five languages of appreciation or is that talking about toxic workplaces? Is that talking about vibrant workplaces? What are you talking about when you go across the world?
4: Now, it's largely about the five languages of appreciation. Although a lot of my travel was related to my work with family-owned businesses and dealing with uh, the family issues of passing wealth and businesses across generations, um, because mm. that's really the hard part. I mean, the, the, the business part, the legal part is sort of cut and dried, but getting people together, the couple and or communicating with their kids is, is really been uh, difficult for a lot of families. And so I sort of help in that area as well. Hmm. Talk
1: to me about the common themes you see in business environments around the the world. Things that you see organizations and businesses struggling with, and it's common regardless of culture. Mm -hmm. What what, what are some of the things you've seen?
4: Well, the number one and number two, and maybe number three, (laughs) is busyness. And it's just hitting me and leaders upside the head and when we talk about trying to help them uh, learn to communicate authentic appreciation to their team members, the number one and literally number two reason is we're too busy. We don't know how to do this. And and figuring out where that busyness has come from, something that that's sort of what I do. I think about things and gather data and sort of distill it down to the, the main point. And busyness is going to kill... Us in a lot of different ways, if not stress physically, but also culturally, organizationally, leadership wise, and we've got to get a handle on it. So it's the number one, two and three busy, busy, busy. Yep.
2: Because we don't get it, so so what is um, when you see that in an organization? Um, how are you? Do you think it's from people spending time on things they really don't need to spend time on, or is it? I mean, is there anything common there, yeah, or is the, it they're trying to get as much?
4: There's you know, different. Out of the there's different themes can. that tie into it, right? I mean, any kind of complex problem usually mm-hmm. has multiple pieces. It's, if it was simple, you know, yeah. somebody would get it and, and, and figure it out. One is, and this is sort of a a side one, but it it really makes a big difference, is that people create artificial deadlines that increase busyness. So stress is essentially when we have more demands than we have resources, meaning time, money, and energy largely. Well, one way you can create stress is shorten the time frame in which something has to be done. And a lot of leaders or even colleagues, when they ask somebody else to do something – They'll shorten a time frame to protect themselves mm-hmm. or because they don't trust that the other person will get it done or that it just would be easier for them, not realizing that they are stressing the bejeebers out of their colleague <laughs> by saying, you know, I need it Wednesday when they don't really need it till the following Monday. Mm-hmm. And so this this artificiality of creating shorter and shorter time frames uh, really jacks up the, the amount of stress and busyness so that's one small thing but it, but it's it's a it's a big one and it's a, well. right. it's
1: common throughout the cultures yes so Kathy being married to a psychologist <laughs> how hard was that when you were trying to have an argument about raising the kids or what's going on here at home I mean did, did he pull out the psychology oh. psychobabble on you or were you guys able to you know work through that
3: oh no I don't think he's ever used psychobabble on it, and he doesn't read mine, so you have to still communicate. Oh, well, with, so he's yeah. a normal man. He he's can't read mind. He's a normal guy. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I think um, his training came in really helpful to us when we raised our kids um, and just understanding uh, child development and uh, good parenting skills mm. and, um, and also in marriage skills and that kind of thing. So I think his training has been helpful to us.
2: You know, that's really good to hear because I think a lot of people, you know, kind of panic like, oh, no, I can't have a, a friend, you know, with that kind of a degree or they're going to analyze yeah. me all that's day right. long and, right. and tell me all the things I should do wrong. But um, to see that it can come in handy yeah. in in the areas of your life, because, you know, we often talk about parenting, oh, yeah. wishing we'd understood more mm-hmm. yeah. and wishing that we had paid attention better in Psych 101 that everybody had to take or or whatever, because it sure would have helped. Well,
4: in
1: management, I wish I'd had a psychologist degree instead sure. of you know a business degree you, you, you've been way, you've been light years ahead right
2: yeah yeah so we were talking about all the these four books well, that why don't you um, listen uh, them yeah we should we haven't even done that yet um, okay so in order is that this one this one first okay so the five languages of appreciation in the workplace right. and then rising above toxic A toxic workplace. Uh And then sink or swim, and that's S Y N C. So, like you're sinking your phone, you know, that. For our young people, they know how to sync, right? Yep. And The Vibrant Workplace. So as these were being written, Kathy, did you, were you involved in any of the behind the scenes or were you did you just keep life going in the home while he was delving into his papers?
3: I mostly ran the home, but um, I tend to do his first initial edits. So everything he writes, then he would pass by me and I would say, this is a really important point to emphasize. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like this thought or... This needs some work or whatever so great that was kind of my input um but all the ideas are his
2: hmm. so. so you can you can firmly say that you have read all of the books yes. because you have been a part of editing them at, yes. at one point or another uh-huh. yeah. which is wonderful at least it, you probably experience a little bit of grace and that first first flush <laughs> through <laughs> i don't know <laughs> that's wonderful
1: all right so let's let's just dig where, where did you, How did you get
4: this relationship with Dr. Gary Chapman? Where, Paul, where did that come from? So um, it came from the fact that Kathy and I were working through reading and working through the five love languages ourselves mm-hmm. and finding them really helpful. And so I was consulting with uh, different families and businesses and had the experience of working with one father and son in North Carolina, talked to the dad and said, you know, how's this transition going? He said, it's going great. My son's stepping up. I think it's going to be fine. I go across the hall and ask the son the same question. And he says, this is a disaster. It's never going to work. I can't ever please my dad. And so I just saw the the possibility of, you know, maybe applying the five love languages in work. And so actually it took me a year to get through to Dr. Chapman. He had a a very nice, gracious Southern bulldog receptionist that was (laughs) tough to get through. And uh, so finally uh, we met up and, um, I pitched him the idea, and he had already had 20 years or so more. Other people uh, pitched the idea of applying the five languages, love languages to work. Um, but um, the fact that I was a psychologist, had sort of a relational background. I was working in and with businesses that was different. Both of us are Wheaton College grads, and that helped some. Mm-hmm. And and um, I actually, he was not interested in writing a book at that point in time, but he was. Uh, I pitched the idea about creating this online assessment, which we Mm -hmm. developed the motivating by appreciation inventory. And so I started working on that and then created the training materials and started using it with different non-for-profits and uh, friends, small businesses and so forth. And then he told me to go ahead and start writing the book. So I did that and that took a year or so, about nine months I think. And then he reviewed it. So it was, it was a process. He's a great man. He's, he's, generous he's gracious i think he's sort of the consummate gentleman in, a, in the mm. true sense of the word yes. Neat. and uh it's just been a, a real blessing to to be able to work with him
1: well and, and the material that you come out with is phenomenal i mean I, we Thank talk you. about this all the time and we want more people to know about it. so we're going to go into detail after the bottom of the half hour but why don't you tell people how they can get a hold of your assets that you've got here and how they can get a hold of that online inventory
4: sure the the main sort of uh website to go to that you can have access to virtually all of it is appreciation at work it's a word at not the at sign appreciation at work.com and you'll see segments there on the five languages of appreciation on toxic workplaces sink or swim as well as vibrant and we have both the books and obviously audio versions but also training kits uh for people to be able to apply this in the workplace and some a couple of different assessments the the MBA inventory and then uh a toxic uh, quiz as well
1: so they can get all of these on that same website all these books at the same website yes appreciation at work.com appreciation at work.com and, and honestly i i the favorite one i mean i love the five languages of appreciation in the market in the workplace love that but rising above a toxic workplace really spoke to me and i know it speaks to a lot of people out there because there's so many toxic workplaces no matter what the organization is right so that was one that that was like if i were to say you're my favorite but yeah, that's you know that's hard because they're, they're well, so good. Well, I think good. that
2: one of the keys to that, Jim, is that um, there's you know they have different purposes. Yes, they and do. it's really like okay, if I want to avoid being the cause of a toxic workplace. Right. What can I do to improve the workplace? And then, you know, go to the five lo- the five languages of appreciation in the workplace. And I hope after the um, break, we're going to talk about what those resources really are and how, who can really use them because it doesn't have to be the top of the Absolutely organization not, in right. order to really get this to be a part of your culture.
4: So a middle manager can bring these in and start making an impact. Absolutely. I mean, supervisors, you know... Um, division leaders, managers. We've even had, I mean, receptionists start and then it, it goes from there. And, that, and that's been really fun. Paul White has written the books,
1: Sink or Swim, The Five Languages of Appreciation in the Workplace, The Vibrant Workplace, Rising Above a Toxic Workplace. We've done shows on three out of four of those books. Sorry, Paul, should have done all four. Well, now it's all four. We'll, we'll, we'll just yeah, do we're, that we're, way. We're picking it up today. <laughs> These are books that are, are made, they're written to help you transform your workplace, to put the focus on what God sees is important because people are important. And each of these books helps us as managers to see our people the way God sees them and to feed into our people. Well, I'll, I'll let the author talk about these things. Mm-hmm. Paul, let's talk about, well, why why did you write these books?
4: I mean, what, what did you see that made you write your first book? Well, so the first one was the five languages of appreciation in the workplace. Okay. And so obviously the five love languages have been incredibly impactful to millions of mm-hmm. couples um, over the years and saw that, you know, I think the principles could work uh, and we, you know, have to change them up a little bit. And so we, Dr. Chapman and I felt like appreciation was the sort of the core concept there. And so I'm all about making things practical and helping people, you know, live better and um, not just theory and so forth. So, you know, I, started using the the five languages in workplaces and developing training materials in this assessment tool. And it just seemed to be a need, you know, that people want to be valued and appreciated. I, I think it's sort of the workplace equivalent of being loved. We want to feel like we're significant. And so when we do something, when we create or, you know, Put something of ourselves into our work, we want to know that it's valued, not just mm-hmm. by ourselves. Yeah, we have to, you know, sort of sometimes just do it because it's what we should do. But eventually, you'd like to know that somebody else values it as well. And so that's sort of where it came from. And it seemed to really strike a chord, especially as in the workplace, there was a lot of focus on employee recognition programs. Yeah. Yeah. And they just really haven't worked, to be honest. I mean, they work okay when you're focusing on performance and, you know, sort of supporting and encouraging performance. But we're more than just work units. We're more than just, you know, a number. We're not a machine. Yeah, we're not just a production unit. And Mm -hmm. so, um, but a lot of businesses lost sight of that and managers. And, you know, we're looking at the financials and what this, you know, department or unit's doing. And so really calling it back to hey, these are people. And not only are they people at work, they're people outside of work and they have lives uh, that impact work and they have skills and abilities that you can value even if they're a low performer. And that's, it's been an interesting journey to learn about, think about and understand uh, that people wanna feel valued for who they are. And uh, one way to do that is to, to communicate in the way that's important to them. And its I think that's the other part is that not everybody wants a compliment or some kind of verbal praise that we found that actually had over 140,000 people take our inventory. Oh, my
1: goodness. That's a ton. Yeah.
4: and And less than 50% value words. So that means more than 50% of your employees don't really want a compliment. They want something else. Mm-hmm. And we need to help get that message out.
1: Why use the word love or appreciation versus love? I mean, you have five love languages. Why do you have to reinvent it? Well, you know,
4: (laughs) love in the workplace is a difficult concept. Uh, You know, I think for those of us that are followers of Christ, we can love and care for. But as we've seen in our culture, you know, things get sexualized and, Mm -hmm. you know, we're not looking to create personal love relationships at work. We're looking to help people feel valued, and we just felt like appreciation was a better way to go.
2: I can appreciate that. (laughs) I think that I would like to hear, and let our listeners hear, before we move on to the other books, what goes along with this book? Because you were saying that online there's kits, there's the MBA inventory. Um, Let's talk about that for a minute.
1: Sure. The Five Languages of Appreciation in the Workplace, that's the book we're talking about first.
2: Yes. All right.
4: Yeah. So- if you go to com, mm-hmm. you'll see that there's sections about the books and there's audiobooks, and it's in 16 languages now. Oh so my. Spanish and Fantastic. Chinese. And like, so you can use it, um, you know, cross-culturally and so forth. We then uh, created the inventory. And when you buy a book, uh, a code for taking the inventory, and it takes about 15 minutes and it identifies your... Uh, primary language of appreciation, your secondary, your least valued one, which is your blind spot. It's one that you don't care about, Mm -hmm. but you have people around you that have that. And then we can create uh, a group profile for your team so that people know how to show appreciation to one another. And that's one of the lessons we've learned over time is we initially, we really focused on managers and supervisors, but what we found is that people... First of all, I want to know how to encourage their colleagues, because when somebody's having a bad day, who knows first? It's the person that's sitting next to them. It's not necessarily your supervisor. And secondly, um, we found that it's really powerful when colleagues and coworkers learn how to encourage and show appreciation as well as top down. And that it just really it makes it sing and it, it, it's cool the way that works and it empowers people to be able to not have to wait for their supervisor to get it. You know, mm-hmm. you can start where you are with a couple right. of colleagues. Mm-hmm. So we have that and we created, uh, I grew up professionally, you know, in a not-for-profit social service world where people give a lot, they don't have money for training. So we wanted to create low pro- uh, low cost, um, training materials. So we have appreciation uh, work training kit in its series of four, 10 minute videos, facilitator's guide, uh, handouts, PowerPoint slides, it's a turnkey thing that you can take your team through in either in a half day kind of thing Mm -hmm. or a series of one hour sessions. And we've had organizations that they have their HR people take it and then they just go around to the different teams, you know, whether it's IT or accounting or whatever, and run people through the process and um, be able to really change their culture over time. And so that's fun. At the website, there's all kinds of free videos that I've done on different topics uh, on, as well as articles and other kinds of resources that they can use to, to help apply it.
1: Mm. So the best website to get a hold of the, all the stuff this is at appreciationatwork.com. Correct. Appreciationatwork.com. Go ahead. You know,
2: Jim, I just wanted to share that um, when we had, now we, we know each other's love languages and we have our kids do the um, assessment so right. that we know those. We keep them on a note card in case we forget, right. you know, and our grandkids as well, the ones that are old enough. Um, but we have done this in our workplace. Mm-hmm. And we actually took it to the point where we made um, like a nameplate for everybody's mm-hmm. cubicle and included their uh, language of appreciation on there so that their coworkers had no excuse, right. you know, to, oh, what and is it? And we've actually yeah.
4: created uh, a cubicle poster Fabulous. Uh, that's free on, on our website that nice. identifies their top two languages. The other part about languages appreciation that's a little bit different is we found that there are different actions within the language that are uh, make a difference. And so like quality time, some people do want time with their supervisor. I've had some often shy or gal say, mm-hmm. no, thanks. My supervisor is pretty intense, but I like to hang out with my colleagues. Ah. And so- After in the inventory, after identifying your primary language, you go back and identify the specific actions within that uh, language and also from whom you want that. So you may want to hang out and watch sports with your team, but you're not going to invite your supervisor. Mm -hmm. And so it allows to get really specific so you're not guessing and you can hit the mark
1: we're talking with dr paul white and his wife kathy as they've written some incredible books together and i say they because kathy doesn't get any of the credit she's not any of the covers of the books but we all know behind every great man of god there's always an incredible woman of god so and and i know you've given her kudos i'm sure dr paul white all over the world for the incredible wife that she is kathy how often does paul test this stuff on you like when he was coming up with the five languages, did he, did he test, make you test drive stuff?
3: Uh, yeah, I think he passes most of the stuff by me. Yeah, She's my pr-
4: primary editor, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, and so she helps me organize my thoughts. And, and she works in my office uh, part-time usually and, and helps uh, apply the concepts there as far as with our other team members.
1: It's great. And she also knows how to hack an email accounts because I got a hacked email yesterday from her from
4: somebody else's website. (laughs) Great. I love that.
1: Okay. She's got some IT background. All right. We're talking with Dr. Paul White. That was a joke, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Appreciationatwork.com. Appreciationatwork.com. I want you to go out there and check out these resources. These will work in any organization, any organization, whether it's a church, whether it's a nonprofit, whether it's a for-profit, any kind of business, small business, big business, anywhere in between. Appreciationatwork.com. So Fabulous stuff. Paul, how how many countries have you introduced this stuff to? You said you got it in 16 languages.
4: Yeah, we have uh, on our appreciation at work training. We have uh, trainers in 26 countries and we've been used by 700 colleges. Uh, We have, uh, I mean, we're used by top Fortune 100, uh, top, you know, top five <laughs> multinational wow. organizations. I mean, it, it, and just for those that are f- fans of the five love languages, which is, you know, an c- incredible book. But in that, Dr. Chapman often uses Bible verses and that kind of stuff. Right. We, we chose deliberately not to so that in the five languages, appreciation could be used in secular marketplaces. So it's used in government in the, by the Air Force, the Army, by any setting. Now we have a, a, a supplemental Bible study you can get To go with it but we wanted to be able to use it in the secular marketplace without any problems and it has
1: what kind of impact are you seeing i mean give me give me pick one example of of you brought this into an organization and this was the transformation that happened
4: the coolest one that i just love is a mining company out of south dakota Hmm. now you wouldn't think about miners and quarry workers and you know truck drivers but they uh, brought me in and i did a a leadership training a half day leadership training for uh, all their managers and supervisors and then they uh, had, I think, five or six of their uh, people to go through our course. And then they, over the past year and a half, have gone out and taken everyone in their organization through this um, and done, you know, the the studies and sort of applying it and have people take the inventory so they know uh, one another's uh, language of appreciation. And I had a call with them, uh, the... COO uh, who uh, told me, he said, you know, when this was first brought to me, I just was not a fan. I was not excited. He said, I am your number one fan now. He said, because now when we even have exit interviews that people leave for whatever reason, most often the one thing that they say that really they loved about the company was going through the appreciation work training and finding out both how they were encouraged and how others were. And he said, it's transformed our culture. And in fact, I mean, they, what I love is when a company takes it on and sort of, you know, chews on it and figures out and, and creates something unique. Well, they have little, we have icons, little symbols for each of the language. Well, they had stickers made for their hard hats. For their hard hats. Uh, to, oh, to fabulous. And so just, it, it's, it's fun to hear that kind of thing. And, and that they, I mean, Yes, we did it. Yes, we provided it. But they took ownership of it and drove it. And the leadership, the management provided the resources to, to help make the training happen. So uh, it's, it's been fun.
1: Martha and I are on location in Wichita, Kansas, having a conversation around the table with Dr. Paul White and his wife, Kathy. Dr. Paul White has written so many great resources that you need for your organization. Check them out online, appreciationatwork.com, appreciationatwork.com.
2: You know, I'd be interested. Just Jim always tells people they need things. Yes. As a psychologist, is that what we should be telling people, or should we make them want them? What would you say? Well, I think
4: Jim and I need to have a few follow up sessions and talk through things. But, but you know, oh, sorry, your mic just got cut off. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You know, need is you know, as a psychologist, I. take things very, very literally sometimes, they'll survive without it but it'll make life a lot better. And yeah. that, and that's, I think that's the But key. that's the difference between surviving and thriving. Absolutely.
1: Our yeah. listeners, people listening to I work him, they want to thrive. Amen. They want to experience God's fullness in the workplace. Right. These books will help get them there. And we want
2: yes. them to rise above being the, a toxic workplace.
1: Right. right. Because that, that's, well, let's just transition. So let's just one more. You want him to point out the, the
4: thing about, something about the kits again. Oh, one you were time.
2: just saying um, off the air that they can buy more codes without buying a book for every code. Right. Yes. In fact, and right. we
4: can give, big group reports so Fabulous. that there are a lot of people that don't want to read a book and we don't want it to become mm-hmm. a, a barrier, a negative kind of mm-hmm. expectation. So you can buy codes just for your team and have them take the inventory and get the results that way.
2: Well, it sounds like you have a lot of great resources there. So I hope that our listeners will just go out to appreciation at work.com. Check it out for themselves. If this has piqued their interest at all, sure. there's certainly something there for them to either use in their own personal life or implement in their workplace. All
1: right. So after you wrote the five languages of appreciation in the workplace,
4: what book came next? So actually toxic workplace came next because as I was out speaking and training people at breaks and afterwards would come up and tell me nasty stories about, you know, their workplace or <laughs> what a jerk their boss was. And I'm like, okay, but it just kept coming. It was waves and waves. And so then we we have a number of, you know, we got 120,000 people on our newsletter list and we will use it to get polls. And we sent it out and said, Hey, tell us about toxic workplaces and, you know, and so we got just hundreds and hundreds of responses and sort of culled that as well as followed up and interviewed a number. And that's sort of what happened because Mm. it was just such a huge felt need that and, and unfortunately, it still is. I mean, there's just a lot of nasty workplaces out there.
1: Yeah. Well, and it seems like, the, you know, the Industrial Revolution brought about workplaces that we, obviously unions had to come into place in order mm-hmm. to be able to provide protections. And, and people, It went. we went from this agrarian economy to an industrial economy where people just became a number instead of significant. And we're kind of making that swing back where people are figuring out businesses that really focus on really the people, the heart of the people. Right then all of a sudden those businesses are succeeding to a level that business hasn't succeeded. I mean, and you're on the wave of that. You started the wave of that. This this languages of appreciation in the workplace
4: gives managers, leaders, owners the ability to actually see their people for who God created them to be. Right. Well, you know, the financial crisis that happened in 2008, 2009, I think was evidence of capitalism without a biblical worldview Mm. leads to greed. (laughs) And, and that's the same thing in businesses. If you focus solely on making a profit, then you will wind up basically, um, you know, just using people as resources and not treating them as people. And so um, we've got to have a call back to that. Not, not everybody obviously comes from a Christian worldview in, in our culture today, Mm -hmm. but there are a number of people that understand the need to value people. And, and, and lots of times, you know, they're more, unfortunately, more receptive than some Christian leaders, which I, I'm still trying to figure out, but.
1: Well, you're the psychologist, you should be able to do a study. <laughs> Kathy, as you watch Paul walk through these, well, the struggles of implement, implementing this stuff, convincing people to, 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 to participate in this stuff, how do you offer, what are, what are Paul's love languages?
3: Words of affirmation. All right. It's
1: his number one. That's his number one. Yeah. So you're there to encourage him along the process not to get discouraged. How do you do that? What, what's, what are the, some of the specific things you do? Because working with organizations and trying to break into Christian organizations, that sometimes can be frustrating. What are some of the things you say?
3: Oh, wow. That's tough. Because it's, it's hard to be encouraging mm-hmm. um, for me um, sometimes uh, and know what words to say that are mm-hmm. going to be... You know, I try to encourage him that he's doing great. I think you know God has really blessed him, and he's he's intelligent, smart, um, has a way with words, and um, that's just who he is. And um, so you just trust the Lord to give you the words to encourage him. But mm. um, he he has been doing a great job of trying to get the word out and
1: to um, have touched the lives of a hundred. You said 140,000 people had done assessments.
4: Yeah, and we've sold 275,000 books. Is that right? Wow. That right? That,
1: that, that, I mean, that's a staggering number. I know it's a small percentage of the country, but that's a staggering number. Most yeah. authors dream about hitting right. 10,000, right. Right. let alone 300,000.
2: You know, I think one of the things that um, probably... Well, we were just talking about the fact that when you know you have a tool that can help somebody Mm -hmm. and yet they don't see it, that can be so discouraging. And um, so, again, that's just why we're talking about it today is Mm -hmm. hopefully to pique more people's interest because, yes, 273. 5,000 people have bought the book, 140,000 of online assessments, who right. knows how many have done it on paper in one format or another. And um, but, w- but we always know that there's room for improvement. And so you have created some, God's allowed you to create some amazing resources just to, to help people take it to the next level. And that's really what we hope we just kind of pique their interest today right. and say, listen, there's something more. So should we?
1: Well, okay. So Rising Above a Toxic Workplace describes toxic workplaces how people should respond to it, and sometimes they just have to leave. But The Vibrant Workplace talks about what does it look like Mm -hmm. when you actually put all this stuff into practice. Talk about that book.
4: Well, that really was the culmination of working in this area for 10 years and seeing what works well for organizations, what doesn't, what are the sort of common repetitive barriers. And so I identified sort of 10 common obstacles, and that's the – The subtitle of the book is Overcoming uh, the Obstacles to Building a Culture of Appreciation. Mm. And I guess a point I want to make is that this is not for, I mean, it it can be used by top-level leaders, but really it's about just plain employees, supervisors, managers. It doesn't really matter where your position is, you can make a difference. And I think to me that's an important Mm. point, like even in a toxic workplace, it's not only not you don't want to create it, but how do you survive one? Mm-hmm. And, and you can survive it. Now, depending how bad it is and where you are, I mean, it can be tough and sometimes you have to leave, but lots of times it just takes a few people to work together and you can at least make a, an area of health within your organization. And I think most organizations overall aren't toxic but there's usually like little spots or departments to <laughs> toxic people. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and then in little areas around them. And so the vibrant workplace talks about, okay, how do you do this? How do you try to help uh, create a more positive workplace? If the management just doesn't get it, you know, is there anything you can do? And yes, there is. Mm-hmm. What about when supervisors sort of push back and say, you know, why should I have to tell my people thanks for doing their work? You know, or what, how am I supposed to show appreciation when I don't feel valued? Um, the issue of busyness, the issue of a negative, just overall negative workplace, uh, inauthenticity as far as, you know, uh, employee recognition programs just feel really not genuine. Mm-hmm. How do you get past that? How do you get past the issue of people who are difficult to appreciate? You know, not everybody is as nice as we are. You know, <laughs> It's always somebody else too, right? <laughs> so, you know, and, and cross-cultural issues, difficult settings. I mean, what if you work in a setting where you're actually supervising people on a different shift. How do you deal with that? You know, and, or different cultures. And so for me, the issue, and I got to say, you know, one more is performance. Do you, should you show appreciation to somebody who's not really working up to their potential or what you need? I would say often yes, Mm -hmm. because That's how you can build a bridge to influence them. Now, it's not like you look past the poor performance, but you separate who they are as a person. So, for example, let's say somebody's training for a half marathon. You can say, you know, Joe, that's so impressive that you have the discipline to do that. I could never do that. And that's really cool. It doesn't have to be about work or it could be about a single mom. and, And you say, you know, Janice, I just think it's so cool that how committed you are to your kids and how you love them and are there for them. And they're going to latch on to that and feel really encouraged by that, even though it's not about work. Now, Mm -hmm. you still have to deal with the performance issues, but being able to get past that and and be able to have the tools. And what we've done is created, again, another training kit that has a video for each one and the real short videos, three Mm -hmm. to five minutes, that uh, then you can take your team through a discussion as well. Um, I'm excited about it. We've just gotten some great feedback because the, the toolkit is relatively new. And uh, people are saying, you know, it makes a big difference. And where can they get all that those toolkits? You know, the appreciationatwork.com. Appreciationatwork.com.
1: Appreciationatwork.com. Just really quick, 10 seconds on Sink or Swim. It's a fable.
4: Yeah, <laughs> I, it's it's equivalent to uh, Who Moved My Cheese? Okay. Uh, that uses a story to, to teach a business principle. It's my favorite book. It's a lot of fun. It's a nice introduction uh, to the overall concepts of the language of appreciation. Mm, love Great. that.
1: Dr. Paul White, Kathy White, thank you so much for being an I Work For Him today.
3: Thank
1: you. Oh, my it's a lot of fun. Appreciationatwork.com. Appreciationatwork.com. We're leaving Wichita. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace. It's our mission field. But ultimately, I, I Work For Him. him.